Today is Thursday, April 29, 2021. On this day in 1945, Nazi officer Heinrich Müller walked out of Adolf Hitler's underground bunker and vanished from history. He remains the most wanted Nazi leader ever. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a Spotify original from Parcast. Due to the graphic nature of Nazi Germany's crimes, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes discussions of execution and genocide that some people may find offensive. We advise extreme caution for listeners under 13. Today we're covering the day Heinrich Müller, head of the Gestapo, vanished during the downfall of Berlin. Let's go back to the Führer bunker on April 29, 1945.25-year-old Traudel Junge was stunned when Adolf Hitler dictated his last will and testament to her. She'd been Hitler's secretary for two and a half years by the final days of Nazi Germany. The Führer had refused to surrender, wishing Berlin and his own people to die with him. He talked openly of suicide, and by instructing his will, Junge knew he was seriously going to do it. However, Hitler wanted to spare Junge and offered her a flight out of Berlin. But she chose to die with her Führer, a decision she immediately regretted. Now she was trapped with the demoralized Nazi leadership inside the Führer bunker, Hitler's underground command center. Hitler's inner circle were either drunk, despondent, or both. They were afraid to die, but at the same time, no one wanted to live for the Russian prison camps, or worse, face war crimes before a tribunal. Even Junge carried a cyanide capsule on her. And yet, one man still moved with purpose. He was short for a German, with an athletic build and dark brown hair that grayed around the temples. When this man passed by in his gray SS uniform, people shrank away nervously. This was Heinrich Müller, the feared head of the Gestapo. The Gestapo were the secret police of Nazi Germany, and Müller was the most feared detective in the Third Reich. When Operation Anthropoid killed Nazi leader Reinhard Heydrich in 1942, Müller tracked down the Czech assassins. When Operation Valkyrie failed to assassinate Hitler in 1944, Müller called the German ranks for conspirators. He tortured his prisoners and earned himself a medal for ruthlessness. Müller sent thousands to jail, the firing squad, or concentration camps. And in the final days of the Third Reich, Hitler called Müller to his underground bunker. He had one final mission for the Gestapo chief. Traudel Junge knew that Hitler suspected someone in his inner circle was releasing intelligence to the Allies. When Müller turned up on April 23, 1945, she knew the plot was real. Over the next several days, Müller went to work. When he pulled someone aside, no matter who or what rank, they crumbled under his intense stare. Junge feared coming under his unsmiling face. 
Mueller concluded the traitor was someone who could enter and leave the bunker easily without drawing attention. That could only be SS General Hermann Fegelein. 38-year-old Fegelein was married to Gretel Braun, the sister of Hitler's paramour, Eva. She heard on April 26th that people were looking for Fegelein, but nobody had seen him. Hitler demanded Fegelein be brought in. He was either a deserter or had betrayed the Fuhrer. Hitler was right to suspect him. Fegelein had learned that Heinrich Himmler, Hitler's right-hand man and Fegelein's boss, tried using his power to surrender to the Allies. This would save many German lives, but it went against Hitler's orders to let the city burn with him. Rather than come to Hitler with this information, Fegelein tried to run with it. Müller grabbed him just before he fled for Switzerland. Fegelein was a drunken mess, crying and vomiting as Müller grilled him on what he knew about the Himmler peace talks. Müller knew that Fegelein was not a true believer in the Nazi party. He was an opportunist, a filthy title among Hitler's inner circle. But then again, so was Müller. He prided himself as the greatest hunter of leftist rebels, but Nazi ideology meant nothing to him. He was only in it for the power. Müller turned Fegelein over to an execution squad. They shot Fegelein for desertion on April 28th. This was Müller's last case as the Gestapo chief. The following days were chaotic. Traudl Junge heard the gunshot that ended Hitler's life on April 30th. His successor, Josef Goebbels, poisoned his six daughters and killed himself along with his wife on the 1st of May. Hitler's true believers fulfilled his last wish and died with the empire. Junge herself survived the downfall and later gave a personal account in 1948 regarding the final years inside Hitler's inner circle. But Junge realized one face went missing during the chaos. The small man with graying temples, Heinrich Müller, vanished after Fegelein's execution. The last anyone saw him was April 29th, the day before Hitler's death. The head of the Gestapo just deserted history. Up next, Heinrich Müller strikes fear in Europe, and the hunt for the Gestapo continues. Hi, it's Carter from Parcast, and I'm hosting the new limited series, Hollywood Scandals. We all know that Tinseltown is the land of glitz and glamour, but look closer past the allure of bright lights and red carpets. There you'll find a more disturbing tale, one filled with tragedies and transgressions so damaging they've turned hopes and dreams into high-profile nightmares. Every Monday on this Spotify original, discover the real-life dramas of some of entertainment's biggest names. From the mysterious drowning of Natalie Wood and the murder trials of comedian Fatty Arbuckle to the star clients of Hollywood Madam Heidi Fleiss. Each episode of Hollywood Scandals has been curated from shows across the ParCast network, covering over a century's worth of controversies, 
from the silent era into the digital age. Fame and fortune may be fleeting, but scandals, they stand the test of time. Follow the Spotify original from ParCast, Hollywood Scandals. Listen free only on Spotify. Now back to the story. On April 29, 1945, Gestapo chief Heinrich Müller walked out of the Führer bunker and vanished from history. Müller remains the most wanted Nazi leader ever, but he wasn't always aligned with Adolf Hitler's ideology. When Hitler took power in 1933, Müller was actually prepared to fight against Nazism. However, his new Nazi superiors within the Bavarian police recognized the potential in this ruthless, hard-working officer. They fast-tracked him for a leading criminal investigator role, and Müller accepted without complaint. In 1936, Heinrich Himmler passed operational leadership of the Gestapo to Müller. Under his guidance, the Gestapo transformed into the agents of terror they'd be known for. Müller's Gestapo flexed their dark powers under the Nazi state in 1938, on the night of November 9th into the 10th. They oversaw the destruction of Jewish property and synagogues during Kristallnacht, the night of broken glass. After World War II broke out, the Nazi leadership gave the Gestapo free reign. They could operate however they wanted, so long as it was in the nation's best interest. Müller took that leeway to heart. The Gestapo jailed citizens without trial, beat them savagely, or simply made them disappear. And in 1942, Müller was one of 15 people who planned to carry out Hitler's so-called final solution to the Jewish problem. Adolf Eichmann, the head of Jewish affairs under Müller, directed the deportation of Jews to concentration camps. Millions of Jews and other innocent people suffered and died because of Müller's orders and direction. But unlike Eichmann and Müller's direct boss, Ernst Kaltenbrunner, Müller's disappearance allowed him to escape justice for his role in the Holocaust. Legendary Nazi hunter Eli Rosenbaum placed the most reliable final Müller sighting on April 29, 1945. Others argued that May 1st or 2nd was the last anyone saw of Müller. Whenever this sighting happened, it involved a visibly shaken Müller telling Hitler's former pilot that he was scared of Russian treatment of their prisoners. He hinted that he would not let them take him alive. Then Müller slipped out of the Führer bunker. The streets of Berlin were hazardous for a German on the run. Müller's identity papers were found on a corpse in the city's streets. A death certificate claimed he died on December 15, 1945. Someone testified that they buried Müller in a mass grave. But these dead ends were not so final as they might seem. When Nazi hunters captured Adolf Eichmann in 1960, he revealed that he believed his former boss, Müller, was still alive. The world grew interested again in Müller's whereabouts. And yet, Eli Rosenbaum's expertise pointed to Müller escaping Berlin in 1945. 
According to Rosenbaum, if Mueller lived, he had defected to the East. Another Nazi hunter, Simon Wiesenthal, agreed that Mueller likely escaped to the Soviet Union or South America. This contrasted with a popular opinion in the East that United States agents scooped up Heinrich Mueller for counterintelligence. One of the unusual advantages Mueller had was his name. The names Heinrich, Mueller, and in fact Heinrich Mueller were all so common that he wasn't even the only Heinrich Mueller within Nazi leadership. Historians began using the name Gestapo Mueller to discern that Heinrich Mueller from the other one who was an SS general. But that didn't stop his enemies from looking for him. West Germany monitored Mueller's estranged wife, secretary, and mistress, believing that Mueller was in communication with them. But this generated new leads that Mueller had actually died in 1945 in Berlin. West Germany then exhumed a grave with Mueller's name on it in 1963. They discovered three individuals' remains inside, none being the former head of the Gestapo. The United States chased rumors and sightings of Mueller, but gave up the chase around 1963 as well. Today, more people than ever agree that Gestapo Mueller met his end in 1945. It was almost impossible that a high-ranking SS war criminal could elude history so well, even the head of the secret police. Regardless if he perished in 1945 or died sometime later, Mueller never fully paid the price for his reign of terror. But even if he managed to live beyond the end of the Third Reich, his life will forever be a stain on the pages of history. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Bruce Kitovich. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Daniel William Gonzalez, with writing assistance by Alex Benedon and fact-checking by Haley Milliken. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Hey there, Carter again. Before you go, remember to check out my new podcast limited series, Hollywood Scandals. In anticipation of the Oscars, we're unearthing some of the most sordid controversies in showbiz history. Tune in every Monday. Follow Hollywood Scandals free only on Spotify.